Um, well, hey, just on the start of the message, come on, I really uh, like to start every message with this to let you know that in church, you can be loud. Come on, church is a place that's alive. And I just had this thought this week, you know how you know it's a live church? It's a church that knows how to laugh. So if you find yourself, you find something funny this morning, you want to laugh, it's okay to laugh in church. Come on, you're not going to go to hell if you laugh in church. In fact, I, I believe an alive church is a church that's able to laugh. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, oh, you know, pastor, I'm not that laughing type. Uh, why don't you just try it this morning? Come on, you know, well, let's try it together right now. Just go, ha, 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 Yeah, it's contagious. So, yeah, look, here we go. Look, everyone's a laughing type this morning. So, we're going to have a fun time uh, in church. And the reason why I had this thought, because I realized, hey, and I want to share with you uh, and unpack this this morning. I realized if we want to be in this for the long haul. Come on, if we want to be uh, doing this journey that God has for us, come on, this path that winds upwards, come on, we need to have moments where we can look at the lighter side of life, where we can learn to, hey, shake things off, shrug things off. Come on, laugh at our situation. Trust that God is still on the throne. And everyone said, amen. Um, I'm going to share with you a few verses this morning, and we're going to unpack that together. In fact, I'm going to do, how many, here we got 20 verses. Can we read 20 verses in church this morning? Fantastic. If I haven't introduced myself, I can't remember. My name is Eli. Great to meet you. Hang around. I'd love to have a chat with you after. But we're going to unpack uh, this story in the book of Acts. Everyone say Acts. In the book of Acts, uh, chapter 16, and I'm going to start at verse 16, and it goes like this. Are you ready? Are you ready? It says, one day, as we were going down to a place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Now, this spirit uh, was what the, in the original language is called a, a spirit of python. Okay, this was a, a demonic spirit, and she was able to tell the future. And she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Verse 17. She followed Paul uh, and the rest of us, shouting, these, men's, uh, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Come on, that seems correct at this point in time. It says, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out. And it came out of her. And instantly it left her. Verse 19, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, these are teaching, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us as Romans, to practice. I'm going to continue in just a moment, but I just want to unpack this a little bit, this first part, because, you know, a reading over it can seem a little bit strange. This woman is, in fact, following, come on, two of Jesus' disciples, and is saying, hey, look, these are men of God, correct? And uh, they're trying to tell people how to get saved, how to follow the one true God. I mean, come on, that seems like, why is Paul getting angry at that? That seems like, come on, this is exactly what they're trying to do. But I just want to put a little caveat there. You know, the gospel is great. The good news about Jesus is great. What Jesus is trying to and is available to all of us is great. But the gospel is good news but needs the discernment that has come through discipleship to be able to deliver effectively. And as I was unpacking, it's like, come on, what's going on here? You know, we want to be able to shout the gospel on the corners of the street. And in fact, this is what the lady was doing. But in fact, when you read the word of God, it's like they actually need some discipline that comes through following Jesus when sharing the valuableness of the good news of God. Because we can see the result. What this girl was saying was right. 
But it wasn't coming from a spirit of God. It was coming from a python spirit. It was coming from a demonic spirit. And in fact, in that location with those people, in fact, they weren't drawn to it. They were put off by it. And in fact, says they got frustrated. Even though they saw Paul and Silas do a miracle and cast out this demon, they were still angry because, in fact, they were more engulfed in their wealth than actually what God was doing in this moment. So I put that little caveat here. I'm going to unpack this a little bit. Is that, hey, as we spend time with God, as you go about your place and workplace, God will give you discernment how to deliver the message of the good news to people in a way that's palatable. And the story goes on. It says, verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Come on, this is not good. It says they were severely beaten and uh, they were thrown into prison and the jailer who was in charge, was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. It says, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. But around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. It says, all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And this jailer who was commissioned to make sure they didn't escape, it says that he woke up to see the prison doors wide open. And assuming the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword to kill himself. See, in those days, as a jailer or someone who's in charge of prisoners, if the prisoners escaped, your life would be held responsible for the prisoners escaping. But just as he's about to kill himself, it says in verse 28, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to get saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all that lived in his household. Even at the hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he said, uh, Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house, he set a meal before them, and his entire household rejoiced because they all now believed in God. Lord, I just thank you for these next few moments we have together. Lord, would you speak to us in Jesus' name? And everyone said, I want to speak this morning on the title of Staying Power. <laughs> Staying Power. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where maybe you're meeting someone for the first time or you're, you've organized to go somewhere, or maybe you've popped off for a while and you said to this person, hey, would you just stay here? I'll come back to this exact location. But when you come back, that person is not there. Now, whenever I think about this term staying power, whenever I think about this scenario, it always reminds me of a story. In 2013, I was living in Yokohama in Japan. And I'd been living there for a little amount of time, and I was already uh, dating my wife. I'm from Western Australia, and I got asked to go live in Japan. So my wife came over, uh, long-term relationship, halfway through the first year with her sister, and they were staying in a hotel. And I was living uh, right next to Yokohama Station. Now, I've got to give you a bit, a bit of context about Yokohama Station. This is, not like, this is not like Melbourne, Flinders Station. Think of that times a million. This is like a sea of people every day, millions of people passing through this station. And there's four different corners of the station, north, south, east, and west. I lived on the east side of the station. And this day, my wife 
and her sister, and they're like, we really want to go to Tokyo Disney. I was like, cool, that's a cool thing to do. So uh, the night before, we'd finished uh, doing a bit of street band, and I said, look, this is the exact location. Come here to this location right here. Look, there's a Starbucks there. There's a 7-Eleven there. I want you to stand by this phone booth. I'll come get you in the morning because you had to catch a bus to go to Tokyo Disney. So they're like, yeah, cool, awesome, fantastic. We know it is. I'm like, you sure you know where it is? See here, right, the X on the floor? This is where I need you to be because I'm talking millions of people. You know, if I can't find you, no phone reception back there in 2013, I'm going to lose you and I'm never going to be able to find you. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Eli, it's great, we'll be there. So lo and behold, I'm there at 7 o'clock in the morning waiting at the exact spot where we're supposed to meet and they were nowhere to be seen. Now, what do you do in this moment? Do you like, I leave this spot? Because if I leave this spot, they might just be running a little bit late and then they come and then I'm not here and then I'll start panicking. You know that sort of thought process that goes through your head? So anyways, two hours later, I'm walking around the station, I'm searching on the station and I get to the west end of the station and there is Fatima and her sister standing at the very opposite. It looks quite similar to those who aren't trained about the station. It look quite similar to the spot, but they're in the exact opposite location they should be in and I could see from a distance the frustration on their face and everything inside of me wanted to say I told you to stay right here but I knew in that moment Pastor Eli here's a great moment this is the woman you want to marry here's a valuable lesson you got to learn in this moment here's the lesson I learned sorry I was in the wrong spot she's laughing because she knows it's true she still denies it even though I had lived there for many years, but there's power in learning how to stay in the place, come on, that God has asked us to stay in. Now, I don't know about this, this, this story, and when I read this story, we can look quite to the end and go, man, this is fantastic, this is awesome, but we've got to sort of put ourselves in the scene, come on. They're doing the work of God, they cast out a demon from a young girl, and yet they find themselves in prison. Now, when you get home, continue reading on in this story because there was, they had every right not to be in prison. In fact, Paul was a Roman citizen, and in fact, it was illegal for a Roman citizen to be thrown into a Roman prison. All they had to say was, hey, stop, officer, I'm a Roman citizen. They would have let him go, but they, they didn't even say that, and they allowed themselves to be thrown into prison. Now, I'm not talking about Australia prison where there's PlayStations and, you know, there's a cafeteria and, you know, a gym and all that sort of stuff. This is what they said, the inner dungeon. This is dark. This is dingy. There's rats running around. There's cockroaches up your nostrils. Come on, there's no food plan there. This is a disgusting prison. And not only that, it says they were beaten with sticks and then they were chained to the floor in this cold and dingy dungeon. Come on, I, I, I don't know about you. I know you wouldn't. I would, I would be complaining to God in this moment. <laughs> wouldn't you? I'd be like, come on, God. This is like, I said I was going to follow you. I'm going to give my life for you. How did I end up? In prison. This is the most uncomfortable place I could be in. In fact, I was doing your work. I was spreading your gospel. I even set a girl free from demonic power and I found myself in this uncomfortable situation. Can I start by saying this? I want to pull the blindfold off when it comes to Christianity is that Christianity is not always about, hey, finding what's the most comfortable. I've come to realize that, hey, this is not an endless pursuit or pursuit to go, man, I need to be more comfortable in life. 
Come on, I need more blessing. I need more favor. Yes, Thursday, $200 million Powerball. Jesus, I'm praying, would I win that in Jesus' name? Come on, I deserve this comfort. No, I've come to realize, come on, there's something bigger than just being comfortable when it comes to following Jesus. Jesus is not just about comfort. Can I share a little uh, tidbit with you I've learned over the years? Over the nearly 20 years I've been doing pastoral ministry now, I know you're looking at me, how old is this guy? A lot older than you think. But over those years, I've had many people come to me and they say, hey, Eli, I just want to let you know I'm leaving church. (laughs) And can I be honest, you know what my first reaction is? My fleshly reaction? Can you take me with you? Because they're like, you know what, uh, you know, this has happened, I'm not comfortable here, it's like, you know, I'm leaving church, and everything inside of me is like, oh man, that would just be great if I could just leave church too. Can you take me with you? To wherever you're going to be comfortable at the next place, would you take me with you? But what I've realized is, come on, God has asked me to be a pastor. God has asked me to do pastoral ministry. Hey, come on, let's do job swap just for a little bit. Um, Spend a couple of days in doing what I'm doing. Hey, I've learned to be able to embrace, hey, God has got me where I need to be. And sometimes I'm going to have to push through some uncomfortable situations that, in fact, I'm right where I need to be. This morning, if you don't remember anything else, maybe it's your first time here, look at me. You're right where God needs you to be. Wherever you're serving this morning in church, you're right where God needs you to be. Come on, there's something inside of us. We always want to get to somewhere else. What I've realized is that when we get to that other place, wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) God is trying to change us, not just our place. Psalm 37 verse 23 to 24 says this, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. That's you and me. Though they stumble, they will never fall for the Lord holds them by his hand. Come on, isn't that a great thing to remind ourselves this morning? God holds us in his hand that every step, every location is guided by the Lord. Now they're in this this dark dungeon, and I just want you to picture the moment, is this is no like, hey, just flick your iPhone light on in the moment. They literally cannot see anything. <laughs> they literally, let's speak spiritually, couldn't even see what God is wanting to do. And instead of complaining, instead of getting frustrated, because let's be honest, the temperature's not nice, The kids program, non-existent. Come on, the hospitality was terrible. There was no ushering team. They definitely couldn't find a parking spot. No smoke machines, no good lighting. The worship team were forgetting the the lyrics. Just look straight ahead. But in this moment, what do they begin to do? They begin to pray and sing to the Lord. (laughs) Not complain, they begin to pray And sing to the Lord. And it says this. It says the other prisoners, they began to listen in. Because what Paul and Silas were doing, their reaction to the situation was such a contrast, I believe, to every other prisoner in the same dungeon. They would have been complaining, envisioning their death, how bad this is, but in the next cell to them, what is going on? There is two people singing and praising God. 
They begin to lean in because how this, come on, let's put it in this context, Christians begin to react to the situation, begins to be such a contrast that it draws the people around them to, wow, what is actually going on here? See, their freedom was locked away in this dungeon, but there was a freedom that lived inside of them that couldn't be locked away, and it just had to come out of them. They begin to praise God. They begin to worship God. They begin to pray to the Lord. But what's going on here? There's a joy that lives inside of us. Come on, there's a joy that lives inside you and me. And sometimes, come on, we have to learn how to praise when we're in the pit. We have to learn how to praise, come on, when everything around us seems like it's not going well. We just need to lift our hands to the Lord and say, I'm going to praise you this morning. Come on, the Bible says in Psalm 100 verse 1, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know what I love about this verse? It says, make a joyful noise. I'm just going to raise my hand. I can't sing. (laughs) Do I have any friends? Don't raise your hand. You can if you want. But that's why it says noise. It's like, hey, whatever your vocal range is, come on, just lift that to the Lord. Make sure it's joyful. Bring your joyful noise to the Lord. Let that be an encouragement to this morning. It's like, man, I see everyone around me worshiping. You know, I can hear Judy behind me singing. It's like, you know, it's like I'm surrounded by angels behind me. And it's like, man, I'm not going to sing this morning. I'm just going to keep quiet and just listen to this bliss that's you know, projecting from the rest of people in the congregation. No, I'm going to lift my own joyful noise to the Lord. Do you know there's something that happens? Come on, church. There's something that happens inside of us when we're like, you know what, despite what my week has been like, despite what my relative said to me, despite what my boss said to me, despite what my finances look like, despite what church looks like this morning, I'm going to bring a joyful noise to the Lord. And come on, that thing that the outside tries to keep you in that dungeon, something wells up on the inside They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. For those of you who are old school, Braveheart. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. And why do I say this? Like they were right where they needed to be. And this is the the crazy bit about the story. So they begin to to praise. They begin to pray to the Lord. And I picture this, the, the praise begins to squeeze out of the, prison doors and that sound begins to reach heaven there's angels in heaven and they're singing holy holy is the lord almighty but all of a sudden there's this praise of paul and silas in a dungeon and it reaches the throne room of god and the bible tells us that all of a sudden there's a a massive earthquake the something in the spiritual begins to happen it doesn't just say the gates rattle and Somehow they find the keys and unlock the door. It says, now the very foundations of what was keeping them captive begins to be shaken. Come on, the foundations of this prison, this impenetrable prison walls begin to be shaken and destroyed. Come on, by the power of God. And it says the gates fling open and they have the opportunity to get out and make it into something more comfortable. Come on, I'll be like this. Oh, God, you're so great. Oh, my gosh, the chains fall off. The doors are open. See you later. I'm out of here. What an amazing story to tell church on Sunday that I was in prison for casting out a demon, but then I prayed to God and the doors opened and I walked out. Wow. Come on. I'll definitely Instagram that. But it says this. 
It says they stayed. I mean, what? It says they stayed, and not only that, everybody stayed. Not just Paul and Silas, but the other prisoners who, hey, we don't know why they're there, but they must have done something pretty criminal to get into the inner dungeon. It says they stayed as well. That all of a sudden, they had an opportunity to come on, get out of this dark season in their life and get back into the light. But come on, all of a sudden, there was a light that was shining brighter inside the prison. Come on, the light, the presence of Jesus was now inside the cell. I've come to realize this when I talk about Christianity is not just about comfort. It's that when you discover that you're right where God needs you to be. Come on, and when you praise God and you sense the power of God move and miracles happen and people see that, they begin to realize, hey, there's something that you have that is more valuable than what I consider for myself to be freedom if I went over there. Come on, sometimes as Christians, myself included, we can be inside the house of God and we can be believing and striving for things that people who don't know God are believing and striving for. Yet we don't realize that we carry something so valuable on the inside of us that if we just allowed that, come on, just a glimpse of that to get out of ourselves, that people would begin to see that and go, wow, there's something that you have that I don't have. It says that the other prisoners began to lean in and go, wow, I want to stay where this is. <laughs> I want to stay and have what these guys have. And I say the reason why they're right where they need to be, because look, this is what I want to talk about, is sometimes you and me, sometimes, come on, can we be honest here, we're so quick to rush away or to rush out, and we don't realize that God's actually got us here right where we need to be. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with going on holidays. Come on, there's nothing wrong with having a vacation. I'm not talking about that. Don't cancel your vacation. If you really feel convicted, just transfer the name to me and my wife and we'll happily do that for you. But here's the thought. Who else could God send to reach those prisoners or as we read in the story, to reach that jailer and to reach his family? That who would say, hey, look, Oh, yeah, cool. This is the method to see these people get saved going to prison? Oh, cool. That sounds like God. But it was. And last week, if you were here, I shared, like, when I was seeking God, hey, God, what do you see for this church? And, you know, God gave me some visions and things to put down. He said, yeah, cool, I'll do that, but watch out, I'm going to do more. But as I was speaking to him this week, I, I so clearly felt the Lord say to me when I was praying, and, and he said to me, and I shared this with our team this morning, is that I believe God is doing not something unique here, but in a sense of, hey, I believe God said to me that, hey, I'm going to raise a church, not just of sheep, but of shepherds. Matthew 9, verse 36, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And I want to encourage you this morning, I sent that sense that God will bring in sheep. Come on, this is not a bad thing this morning. God calls us sheep. 
But I feel God is going to create a disproportionate, disproportionate amount of shepherds that will come from this church. I was speaking to a non-Christian friend of my dad's a couple of months ago, and he said, you know what this world needs? He said, it needs leadership. He's so anti-God. <laughs> but he's like, hey, the world needs leadership. And I just thought this thought, you know what? God doesn't, people don't just need leadership. They need godly leadership. They need shepherds. God, Jesus himself, was moved with compassion because, yes, sheep are great. Yes, people coming to worship God, but they had nobody to lead them or to look after them. And what is a shepherd? Shepherd is just not church ministry. I'm not talking about, hey, 3% of you ever step on this platform. That's not what shepherding is. But as I look around and I walk around the streets of Burke Road and Campbell Road and Glen Iris and all these places, and I interact with people, I see people who have great leadership in the business world. I see people who have great influence in commerce. And all these sort of things I see them having, they have these great leadership and mentoring skills, but they're not using them for the purposes of God. And God said to me, hey, there's some people in here, when you catch a hold, come on, of what God has put in you. Maybe your whole life you've trained in an area, you've been a leader in an area, come on, you've been an entrepreneur in an area, but God is saying to you this morning, hey, I'm going to release you not just to build the kingdom, but to shepherd the next generation. Come to me, I'll talk to you about the Bible and I'll talk to you about the things of God, but come to me to talk to me about business or talk to me about even how to raise a family. I'm getting better, but things are limited. But I know God has brought people into this house with a wealth of experience. And I believe God is creating shepherds that will come out of this house. And with that, I want to encourage you. Hey, don't just come in here and be a sheep. <laughs> come here and say, God, what is it? Who is it that you want me to shepherd? I love hearing stories all through the week, and I connect with a lot of people in here. And, oh, I went out to breakfast with such and such. Hey, I'm starting a business, and I caught up with this person who's an accountant and such and such, and they gave me this wisdom. Beautiful. Come on, I believe this is how the God, this house of God works. It's he brings everybody in, just like I said. He's placed you in here right now. You're right where you need to be. Maybe not just for yourself, hear me now, but for somebody else. Just take a look down your road. <laughs> if you're single, no, I won't, I won't go there. <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm still a young, adult, young adults pastor at heart. But I really believe God was saying to me, come on, I want to make you a shepherd. And it's scary. Come on, for some of you, we've done things so long for so many years of our life that it's hard for us to change. But I love what God said to Joshua. In Joshua 1.9, he says, this is my command. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Lord the God is with you wherever you go. I'm going to finish early. Band can come. I want to do two things. And I, on purpose, made the message a bit shorter today because I want to pray for some people. If it's your first time here, don't freak out. I really sense God was saying to me, hey, look, and even convicting me, sometimes, even though I'm the pastor, I can just come to church and look forward to Monday, which is supposed to be my day off. But three kids, I'll just put that on hold for 18 years.
But God so clearly said to me, he said, you know what? You're right where you need to be. Not just church on a Sunday, but what I'm doing in your life, what I'm doing in your family, even the things that you find are frustrating. I want you to stop. Let's what saying to me. And I want you to just look what I'm doing. And in this moment, can you still stop and find the time not to run away or to daydream about when things aren't so frustrating and full, but can you learn to stand and praise me even in the pit? See, people often, often ask, you know, why did we come to Camberwell to plant a church? You know, in this area, I know there's a couple starting now, but when we came here, Melbourne is, a, there's a lot of churches. I know Adelaide is the city of churches, but there's more churches in Melbourne than there is in Adelaide or churches like ours. But the church planning director, he came and saw me in our senior leadership in Perth, and he said, you know what? You know where there's no churches? In Camberwell. <laughs> he said, you know, they've tried, but they failed. Over the years, he said, he's seen about 30 churches try and start, and then they close up. And people asked me why Camberwell, and I was reading through this story. It became so evident to me, like Philippi, where we hear this story happening, even though there's a miracle of God, people can be so caught up in wealth and commerce and money that they can even see a move of God and to be, be too busy for it. I've never seen more Christian schools in a five-minute radius than I have in this place. But you know what I don't see when I walk around frozen yogurt place? up Burke Road, is that I don't see kids who go to these schools in love with Jesus. I know there's a few, and I'm not discounting it. But God burnt my heart the first time I ever walked down this street, and he said, you know what? Who will I send? Who can go into this place that on the surface seems great, but really get to the core is difficult? And I'll say to you, who is sitting in this place right now, God is sending you. Will you stand to your feet? I sense the presence of God. <clears throat> you know what I've discovered about South East Melburnians? <laughs> on a whole, is they're very organized. If you're feeling convicted right now, trust me, you're more organized than a lot. They're very disciplined on a whole. In, in fact, Southeast Melbourne, I would say, is probably one of the most conservative places in Melbourne. But the hard thing is, when things are organized and this is how we do things, there also comes an expectation of how things are done. There's an expectation of excellence. 
there's an expectation of, hey, this is what I expect when I come to the house of God. And trust me, come on, God is excellent. We want to bring a high level of service. But I've always had this struggle because I'm very organized. I like my ducks in a row. And having two toddlers and a newborn is definitely grinding this out of me. But what I've realized is, hey, sometimes being called by God is messy. Sometimes there's a few cockroaches running around. Just look straight ahead. I'm not talking about anybody. <laughs> Sometimes, man, it's just like this is not what, this is not comfortable right now. But God, I know you're here. God, there's somebody you've placed me here to reach. God, there's someone here that, hey, I don't have to preach on the corner, but I have to just sing and, and give prayers and praises to the Lord and those around me will see, man, there's something different. That you can have all the money, you can have all the condos, you can have, man, I've never seen more people with beach houses than I've talked to in this area. It's like, has everyone got a beach house that they go to for the holidays? Hey, there's nothing wrong with your beach house. Just remember your pastors when your peace house is vacant for a weekend. But amongst all of that, there's a wealth of resource. There's a wealth of leadership. Come on, there's a wealth of consistency. Come on, there's a wealth of stability. And the church is screaming, young people are screaming for people who love the Lord, who can openly say, I love the Lord. I've got my life together. And let me speak life into you. So if every head bowed, every eye closed. Isaiah 6.8 says, the prophet Isaiah saying, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Lord, I just sense right now in your presence. As people are just focusing on you in this moment, Lord, I, I, I just sense you're stirring within them. That maybe in themselves, they're thinking their season is nearing an end. But Lord, I just sense right now, God is sparking within you. Come on, this is just the beginning. Come on, I sense some of you, you're in a situation right now and it just seems like, man, everything around me, which I'm used to and comfortable with, come on, I had all my ducks in a row, but all of a sudden it seems like, come on, I'm chained in a dungeon. But I sense right now that God would say to you, hey, look, you're right where you need to be. Would you praise me? I believe right now, I'm even sensing within this week, some of you, right where you are, even maybe the hardest and the most confusing and frustrating time you're in, God's going to bring somebody into your life. And you're thinking, God, would you help me? But they're bringing this person in, into your life because God has trusted you enough to be there for them. There's some jailers, come on. There's some people because of their own purposes and their own way of living life have found themselves in the same prison, but God has brought you there to be a light for them. Come on, as we say as preachers that some of us are in our mess, but God is going to use that mess to be a message for somebody else. 
I just pray right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, Lord, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come, would you speak to them? Lord, I pray, even as I'm praying right now, Lord, someone's face will come into their mind, God, a name, come on, a person that they saw, come on, a person at their workplace, a person at their school, a person at the university, Lord, would you just drop that name and that face into their heart right now? Lord, and I just pray dreams, God, ideas, God, in, even in the midst of where everything seems like they're falling apart, Lord, would your light begin to shine in that situation? Lord, I just pray in this moment, Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. Last thing, maybe you're here this morning, and if you're honest, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. What is Christianity? A Christian literally means a follower of Jesus. <laughs> it's not a religion. It's not a club. This morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. See, like Paul and Silas went down in the mess for the jailer and those other prisoners, I want to encourage you the good news about the gospel, the good news the story of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came down of heaven into our mess to set us free from our bondage. What bondage? The bondage and the chains of what the Bible calls our sin. It's from trying to navigate and live life basically without God. We've missed the target. Come on, a name for Jesus, one of the names for Jesus that was said to Mary when you're going to give birth to Jesus was his name will be Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel mean means God with us. Come on, God came down from heaven to be with us. Maybe you're here this morning because Jesus sent somebody else to reach out to you. Maybe that person who invited you, maybe that friend or that relative who's brought you to church this morning. Hey, God has sent them. Why? Because he loves you. He sent somebody into your world to reach out to you. So if every head bowed and every eye closed, what I'm going to do in just a moment is I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you're in this place and you're saying, you know what, I don't understand everything that was said today, but Jesus, if you're real, I do not want to leave this place without beginning to know you, without accepting your free gift of salvation. If that's you, when I get to three, you lift your hand, you put it in the air. And what I'll do right where you're standing is I'll include you in a simple prayer. As I said, not to join a religion or to join a club, but to start this beautiful relationship with our creator, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, and I really sense this is for somebody, but maybe you've, come on, you've been doing the church thing. <laughs> maybe if someone was to ask you, are you a Christian, you would say yes. But if you're honest, you would say this morning, hey, you haven't been walking with God. But something that was said this morning, maybe during the worship, or something that someone said to you, just stirred you, and this morning you're saying, you know what? God, I don't want to be far away from you anymore. God, I want to be back on that plan. I've been derailed. I've been thrown off. I've been frustrated. I've been offended. But this morning, God, I'm coming back to you. When I get to three, if that's you, you... Lift your hand, and I consider it a privilege to pray for you as well. Come on, to get your life back on track with Jesus Christ. For the first time, or coming back, here's your moment. Here we go. One, Christians be praying. Two, you know who you are. Three, just give us a wave. I'd love to include you in that prayer. Awesome, fantastic, so good. Who else this morning? 
I remember as a 21-year-old sitting at the back of the service and in this moment, I just knew my heart was beating, my palms were sweating. And I'm like, I'm not responding, but I knew on the inside God was speaking to me. And friend, I know God is speaking to you. Last moment now, I'm just going to look across the room. If that's you, awesome. Up the back, you're worth waiting for. Who else? Last moment now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Okay, you can open your eyes and look at me. Let's give all the people who raised their hand. Come on, can we celebrate them this morning? So good. Hey, if you raised your hand, listen now, or if you didn't, but you're like, you know what, that's prayer for me. (laughs) What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to lead you through a simple prayer. The Bible says this transaction, this receiving Jesus, his free gift of salvation comes from confession. So we're going to pray together. The key is be sincere, believe it with all your heart. And I believe as we pray this prayer together, everyone else can join in as well, that we'll experience what the Bible calls salvation in Jesus' name. Here we go. Everyone repeat after me, big voice. Dear God, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for me living life my own way. I believe in your finished work on the cross. Help me to follow after you all the days of my life, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand once again?